He says whenever, man, so I think we should start now. Welcome to the Zealand podcast. <laughs> and I, I, we've been doing this with Reese basically every time, but I figured I should leave my editor alone and start having other people on to just talk about random things uh, that they want to talk about. And naturally, the place to start was the JLA, the James Lawrence Alcott. <laughs> he is here today. Wow. I think uh, that's the first time I've ever been the natural starting point for anything. So uh, I'm on it. <laughs> You're the natural you start, yeah, you're the natural starting point for great skin and for Premier League coverage, <laughs> from my from my perspective. I'm doing well. Uh, I, I was able to sleep last night without setting an alarm, which was. Oh, do, you, do you get to do that often? Yeah, do you know more than more than you'd uh, you would have thought? I uh, yeah, I yeah, I, I do. But I, I, annoyingly, I I always just wake up early anyway, which is very irritating, and then procrastinate for four hours. Exactly. So, you so, don't yeah. you don't actually get out of bed for another forty five minutes because you got the phone open. Whatever. No, I actually exactly. I got woken up because I have my phone on do not disturb. But you know you have those certain people whose phone calls can get through. I got a call from my mother about an hour before I wanted to wake up. It just, <laughs> what did she want? I some tax thing. You know, sort of stuff that you don't want to talk about when you roll over in bed. Like, hey, what's your tax form identification number? And you're just like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I reckon um, that's you know I reckon that's top five things I don't want to talk about um, when I wake up tax tax identification number. Ta yes here's my tax ID number uh, so for those that don't know uh, what do you do is your actual job I'm not talking about the YouTube and, and Twitch stuff mm. um, th that is my job so I mean I'm a I'm a football presenter I guess that is my job um, I pre Prior to that, I was um, a producer and still do produce a lot of the content that I end up making. I'm a bit of a weird one because I, yeah, I started in, in kind of television wanting to present and so made my way up the ladder as a producer and then got into online content again as a producer or my title was, what was my title? Senior Creative Director because it was a really small Ooh. company so you get a better title. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then basically... Pretty much, I'm still I'm still struggling with this now. Actually, a bit of a here's a bit of a um, revelation, I guess, to you is that I, I'm 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 trying to kind of go backwards with it. Where sometimes when I get hired to be a presenter for something, I'm really trying my best to to stop trying to help, <laughs> to try and just like just be the just like and do the bit without the work. Like just be the presenter. Like enjoy that element of it. So I, that's what I'm working on at the moment. But often it it doesn't that doesn't happen so like for example i've i've just uh, i should be starting a new project soon which is a really exciting project where i'm wanted just as the presenter but prior to that i came in and did um consultancy for that exact same company <laughs> and, and then i'm now so i've given them kind of all like the knowledge i guess and now i'm going okay i'm just going to be a presenter now because i don't really have the time to to do both so to to circle circle back round, I guess, and answer your question, I'm a I'm a producer and a presenter, um, but I, I'd love to just be a presenter. <laughs> That's a really long title on your business card. It is. It's it's, it's always <laughs> it always feels a bit awkward, and I actually I think it's hurt me a little bit in my career at times because you kind of often having worked, um, you know, in say in entertainment, and you work with work with people who are just presenters, which is is isn't something that really exists as much as it used to especially for you know people like myself and you and anyone who works and has their own channel like it doesn't work like that like you're the exec producer of your content never thought and, about and it I that am way a, but yeah yeah and i am the same of of mine but 
coming back from the background I was in before when you worked in TV, I would produce a, you know, a presenter and they, they sort of would just rock up. You'd give them the, the questions and the jokes and the, all the, everything they needed. And they'd, um, you know, they'd steal all the glory. Um, but it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's obviously changing now. So this man writes his own jokes. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I think that's the important thing for everyone to know that, yeah, you know, if you do, you know, one out of five will be funny, but at least I've written all of them. That's, yeah, that's my general approach to comedy is a carpet bombing of sorts where <laughs> sure. I'm going to hit it eventually. Gun, exactly. Yeah. I have no idea how I'm going to hit it, which one's going to hit, but one will hit. You, <laughs> you miss every shot you don't take. <laughs> Thank you. Wayne An American Whiskey. told me that. An American that, told me that. That's a very American approach to things, I think. Mm. Uh, but. This makes you a nice authority, more so than most people I talk to in my life, to discuss the state of the Premier League with, uh, which okay. obviously Liverpool falling, Manchester City at the top. What do you think has been the biggest story in this Premier League season played without fans? I think on the pitch, I think it has to be Liverpool. Um, and and the just the, the long list of nightmares that they've had, really, I think, Going into a title defence, you're just, you know, you're hoping it, you're hoping it can be just like the season before, and <laughs> for them, it's just been, it's been an absolute nightmare for them. I think they will get to the end of this season. Jurgen Klopp will just be like, "Thank goodness that season is over." Like the amount of things that have first gone wrong, and then the things that you know you can't truly quantify, but you can you can point towards the injuries and. You can point towards the different bits and pieces, the not having the fans of the crowd at Anfield, which obviously is a special venue, um, and and put that into a formula. And then you see these terrible performances that you've seen from a team that, you know, walked to the title last season. I think that has to be the story of this season because I think Man City was strange as well, but it, it, there's not the same, there's never the same power or <sighs> strong narrative when it comes to Man City because you're expecting them to always dominate. And and so I think the story for me is Liverpool. What do you think? I well, here's what I don't understand: Why can't they score? Because I keep talking. We keep talking <laughs> about this. Everybody keeps talking about this. Like, oh well, they're you know they're on their 25th center back. Like the the number one supporter from their supporter group is playing right like the right center back position right yeah. now. They were interested in signing uh, an American who's just basically like an MLS all star, but he's not. You know, he's he's miles behind where you'd need to be to be a player that is on the 25 for Liverpool. His name's Aaron Long. I've just incorrectly called him Shane Long way too many times. <laughs> but he has, he has like 20, 25 US caps, plays in the MLS, right. and they were thinking about signing him. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, they really have, you know, exhausted every option at center back. But mm. that's almost not the problem when you look at the scores. It's like, oh, they yeah. lost six straight at home and all of them are one nothing. When you have a, an attack that is worth over 300 million pounds euros dollars i think all three sure. of those would be true how like how are you just not scoring goals i mean nobody thinks sadio mane or mo Salah's terrible and then no. roberto firmino is obviously not a primary goal scorer but he's a very talented player you have to be to play as mm -hmm. much for for brazil as he does but i think that people are talking about the center backs almost way too much like they just can't score to a I think, criminal yeah, totally extent. a fair point totally a fair point i think I think a part of it is that because they've played the exact same way for three seasons, like knowledge is power. Like people know, you know, where they're strong, where they're not strong. And the, I think 
it got to a point where teams went, well, if we defend deep and, and force them out wide, that's our best chance and we should be okay. And I think you've seen the, you've seen so many times, you know, Mane getting the ball and Robertson making an overlap and all these things that there's almost like a, there's a picture in the mind of the, of the defensive team. And so, you know, we're recording this after the Leipzig game in the, in the Champions League and they won that game, both games comfortably. Um, but if you look at say say if you look at the second goal in that game, the uh, the way it works is that there, there's a sort of there's a line at there's there's a line at the back for Leipzig, but then because of the way that Leipzig play, their defender instead of just standing still, which is what West Brom have done, Fulham have done, like all these teams in the Premier League have done, right? They because that they press because it's a Nagelsmann team. The guy comes out of a position which leaves a space that allows them to create that space, which allows Origi to, to have a space to go into, to get across in, to get in behind the opposition. And I think that's always the biggest thing in football is how do you get a defensive team to face their own goal? How do you get in behind them? And if for these really dominant teams against teams that play in a low block, you have to be as good on the ball as Man City are. Like, how many goals have Man City scored from a pullback from the byline on, you know, in line with the six-yard line in terms of the, the width? Like, that's how difficult it gets for Man City for them to be able to get in behind the opposition. And I think with Liverpool, they don't have that same way of playing. And the and when it comes to that that point of pushing them out wide, you then have... Robertson putting a cross in, Trent putting a cross in, and you've got Firmino in the box, and and who who's not your, you know, he's not your Haaland, your Lewandowski, and I think when it when it gets to that point, it's an easy thing to defend against, and I think that's been I think that's been one of the big problems for them. Yeah, they should get a real barn burner like Gabby Jesus in there. Really, you, someone said um, so. There's a guy, you know, you've got you've got your team, you've got Reese. I've got a guy called called Kai who actually helps me with a lot of stats and stuff. So that I, I didn't can, know Havertz you know. needed help with his wage. That's, that's nice <laughs> yeah, thing. yeah. He's just bored. He's just not playing. <laughs> he? oh, no, play this week. But uh, he's sitting on so the he's, bench <laughs> editing all kind videos. Yeah, yeah. He's well, yeah, giving me stats. Uh, but he um he he made it. We were chatting on the phone. And he gave me this shout. And he went, you know, you know who Liverpool need to sign, don't you? And I was like, who? And he went, Suchek. They need to go and sign Suchek. And I was like, oh my God, Suchek would be amazing for Liverpool. Because if those same crosses came in and he had that freedom to like get in the box, especially if you're like 20 minutes left, you need to get yourself a goal. You've got Trent putting the crosses in. Suchek would be unbelievable for Liverpool, I think. That's a good shout. I, I was always thinking somebody like that was an off-the-ball player. I, I've come back to... You know, at a certain point, it seemed like they might be able to get Kane because Tottenham was bad and they were good. But that's obviously mm -hmm. that that paradigm's kind of shifted. This is completely unrelated, but Harry Kane to PSG keeps making more sense to me in my head because of the Pochettino connection and like that would just be the best front three in the world, and it wouldn't be particularly close with Mbappe. I, and... I just I don't think he'll ever walk. You know, I I've I've brought this up to Ben once or twice and he's told me he's like look it matters in a way that i wouldn't understand it matters to be like the scoring more goals in the premier league than anyone else in history like that's something that just matters he really does i don't know if it's if it's something where you know there is goes because there are those parallels with shearer and he has scored so many goals and he hasn't won those trophies yet that 
it's just something that we keep talking about. So we think that he cares about it. But there, there certainly are quotes that seem to have come up over the years where he kind of, he just, he does want that record. Um, but, you know, that alone, pfft, is that enough? Like, it, it'd be interesting to know if you really, if you put, you know, put him up to a lie detector, if you said, what do you, deep down, what do you really want? Do you want the record? Do you want to be known as the greatest Premier League striker? Or do you want, do you want a, a league title with Spurs? I'd love to know the truth. Yeah, or a, or a Champions League. I mean, if it was, that's the thing. Mm. If it was me not being English and raised in a world where you're constantly talking about Premier League specific records and everything, it would be look if if PSG came to me and said, "Here's the coach that made you who you are," right? The coach mm. that you know a lot better than you know. You could say they have a great relationship, him and Mourinho, but he he knows Poch better. He comes to you and says, "Hey, man, look, we've got." two of the four best wingers in the world at sure. least on this team we stick you in the middle of that you only you're not going to be asked to do more than what you can you know he's one of the best pure center forwards in the game mm. that would it just seems so fun to me to play in that team and i I've, I've struggled to to kick that idea because people thought about him going to spain for a while but i would be surprised if he if he did leave based off of the amount of bounce back that Everybody, I kind of bounce this idea off of. Yeah, Do you know, I think me. he got. No, yeah, I get what you're saying. I think because the thing is, as well, I think he would care how he was thought of by Spurs. But I think because uh, initially, as you were checking there, I was thinking he should have done what, but he should have done what Bale did, which was gave some great years and then went to Real Madrid because it's a dream move, right? But for whatever reason, it didn't happen. And because the great thing about the, that Bale move is he's gone. And then he came back because he, you know, because he cares so much, which is not completely true. It's because it's a place where people he's wanted, um, but he's still 29 and could do another three, four years and be great for them, as we're seeing at the moment. Kane's kind of missed that opportunity. So if he goes, you know, he's He's going on his last kind of big three, four year period. And so if he does come back again, he probably isn't, you know, the same player. That said, though, I do think that Spurs fans would probably just go because I've, I've actually heard this recently i've heard from a few um, spurs fans is is that they want him to go because they love him so much and huh. you know especially when Mourinho's, you know when they're, God, when they're stinking the, out the place come on english fans i know are so that's ridiculous weird. that is so foreign to to my brain i mean if somebody leaves your team most in people's the US, brains man i don't know if that's an english okay. fan by the way because that's obviously from a youtube um comment okay. so who knows okay but. Uh, but i'm just if that if in the NFL, for example, somebody leaves your team, you boo. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter how nice they were. It doesn't matter if you went to school with their kids, right? Mm. If they come back to play your team, you boo. It's just like yeah. what you do. It's a guy. A guy I do a podcast with um, Flav. Is a big Spurs fan. Got a big Spurs podcast, and um, a big part of what they talk about is is love the shirt. Like it's not it's not love the player, and so he has said on numerous occasions, you know, once you leave Spurs, you are dead to me. <laughs> like so, okay, so it's not uh, that is, yeah. So it, that does exist, like that totally exists. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see him. I I always saw him at Real Madrid, uh, and I could still see that with you know Benzema's not getting any younger. I guess it, the problem is is the fee, right? Is how much he would cost. Yeah, I think that him and Benzema are just too similar as a type of player. You know, they're not neither of one of mm. is explosive. But I think Benzema, I think he's a replacement, right? Yeah, I think Benzema goes. I mean, they they're not far off in age, are they? Benzema's a little older, but yeah, not that much I older. I think you'd be surprised. You know, I'll have a look. I reckon Benzema's. I want to say Benzema's thirty-two and Kane's twenty. 
27, 28. I would have figured it was like a 32, 29 situation where it's like, yeah, okay. So Ben's you Ben's 33 and Kane is 27. So yeah, it is six years. More so than I thought. It's the hairline, isn't it? You've been done by the hairline. Well, I mean, we have a very similar hairline, Harry and I, so it's, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, we'll, be, we'll be back in a second. <laughs> on the other side of this break and there's there's something else that always bothered me that kind of goes on to this and it has nothing to do with the Premier League and it has nothing to do with American sporting culture but there's this taste of the tears of teams when it comes to to Europe where the tot some Tottenham fans like hoping that Harry leaves so that he can get uh if we're on a first name basis Harry and I mm. we're hope they're hoping that Harry leaves and he can find success somewhere else it was the Lewandowski situation when he went from Dortmund to, to Bayern. And I was not too old when this happened. I, I think I was in high school or maybe the beginning of college when that transfer happened. And so I was just really plugging into the world game. But I remember watching the first time that Bayern with Lewandowski came to play at Dortmund, which was 80 something thousand people every game. They gave him a standing ovation. After Bayern beat them in a Champions League final and then bought their best player. And that was one of the most confusing things I've ever seen. I would be furious. And that so I've always had this taste since then that is just like the way that transfers are handled emotionally by fans in Europe is just foreign to me. So so just to boil it down for me, give give me like two, three sentences on what's re what's really winding you up. It's just that people are too Euro European fans are being too nice. Is that your thing? Which I, I think is fair. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you just... Well, one, I'm bothered by the fact that you're selling your best player after you made it to within minutes of extra time in the Champions League final. I mean, like, the pinnacle of the sport. You know, Barcelona wasn't there. Real Madrid wasn't there. None of the Premier League teams that always think they should be there were there. Right? PSG was not there. The Italian teams were kind of in the dump at that point. But you made it to the final. Of the whole thing, like the Champions League, you made it three minutes within three minutes of winning it. You were more than capable of actually winning it, and then you sell your best player, right? I, and he worked his contract down to be able be able to move. It's like why would which one, is which is what so many German players do. I, it's but, ridiculous. There seems to be yeah. no way to fix it. And then Bayern just sits on top of the mountain and goes, "Well, we're not worried about competition. You guys, uh, you guys all suck. You know what? Like they, they're uh, Bayern is." so annoying to me they get they they do a very good job at what they do yeah but, but it is cheating their per <laughs> yeah their personality of the of the, the staff where they they talk about withholding players from the german national team if the german national team refuses to start them but just the the high and mighty nature of bayern i yeah. always hope that dortmund can beat them and they they but never they can. Just, they just keep getting pillaged, though, don't they? Get, yeah. Every time they just get pillaged by them. I get. Well, in terms of the trust, it's different. In I agree with you completely when it comes to Dortmund and Bayern Munich. And if you're a Dortmund fan, you've got to get fed up with this stuff. Exactly. Like, I'm you, furious. And Lewandowski's the latest example of this dude that wants to leave us. We've got better fans than Bayern. Mm. But you have the you have the yellow wall. Like I I if Lewandowski does that to me, I'm just I'm furious. I am vendetta booing saying everything about his mother I possibly can from the stands. Like, what? You know, this is not 
he can't possibly expect to get uh he can't possibly expect to get the love that he got if you leave like that after getting so close to a title and then you just run away to go get a title and it ha you see it happen in the United States mm -hmm. things like the N the NBA if you remember the LeBron James stuff I don't know if that got covered too much in England. when he which well which move we left Cleveland the first time yeah yeah, is it, there was a documentary about it, wasn't it? Was it because he, he did his own show, didn't oh. he? For it? Is that what this oh, was? Oh, right? just because you're in sports production and the I, decision. My, my the decision. Is, yes, is that what my career. My career. It's called the decision. My career for those, <laughs> uh, for some reason you don't know, I'm a sports broadcaster too, different vein than JLA, but it's the same general career path. So I, we've talked about sure. this in the past. So what LeBron did when he was going to make his free agency decision, which is essentially your, you know, your end of contract. Yeah, yeah. He was out of a contract with Cleveland where he grew up, which is what there was the whole point. You know, he was the savior. He was the Christ-like figure for a Cleveland sports team that had never won a title in 60 years. Cleveland as a city hadn't won a major championship in any sport in 60-something years. And obviously, he eventually came back and won Cleveland a title. But at the yeah. time, this the setting was they hadn't won, and they had the chosen son, Cleveland, for some ungodly reason, had produced the best basketball player maybe ever. And he goes to all of the major networks and says, I want you to give me an hour. But here, and I want to know if you would take this deal, because it's a really interesting kind of ethical question. He goes to every major network and says, I want you to give me an hour, but I get to produce it, and I get all the ad revenue from it on your channel and he gets all the ad revenue yes oh my god that's just god did he do that christ that's well, that uh, was it that was what the decision was was his team like his agent and his team produced an hour-long show of him announcing his decision and he got all the ad revenue from it you taking that deal i think you do i think you do because you're your in terms of sort of brand awareness, I guess you you know that that then gets beamed out all over the world because I see yeah I've seen the ESPN documentary on this and the presenter was terrible, wasn't he? Oh, well, I think I they took I know Mike Greenberg, was. I think, and he was like he's a radio host. Awkward, right? Yeah, he was really awkward. But I mean, the whole idea was just so lacks so much self-awareness because essentially he did the sort of he did the bail move a little bit where he kind of went I've got to you know what he could have done is kept quiet. <laughs> or just did the move just say you want to go to play in miami yeah do it and then come back but because he did it in such a self-obsessed way or it seemed at that moment and we know we we know lebron is obviously not you know it has a purpose right and wants to do a lot of great things but, he's, and, he's and a obviously learn dude. from that. it's hard it, that's the thing is it's hard not to be like even when you're yeah. not a – there's a difference between neymar and mbappe but mbappe is still a cocky dude and, and lebron's got that kind of swagger to him i guess the problem is as well is that he felt he felt that was necessary that's that's the problem is you know how is he how is he in his sort of this is the wrong way of putting it in terms of his mental state but in terms of his ego and humility where are you at when you feel like this is necessary unless it's a cash grab when really he doesn't need to be grabbing cash <laughs> Do you know what no, I mean? he's, so he's it is a narcissistic thing yeah. isn't it time his career's over it's mm. there there's another element to this that's as we get farther and farther away from the vein here there's another element to this that's uniquely american and that he came out of high school to mm. the nba and so there's a big event called signing day every every year for basketball for american football 
where high school seniors announce which college they're going to play at. Because I, this is completely foreign if you're not from the United States, but college sports in the U.S. are huge. The athletes yeah. are amateur, but they get a free education, and the recruiting process is trying to convince you know the, the nation's best high school seniors in whatever sport to come play for you. So what LeBron was saying is that he never got, because he skipped college, he never got that moment to be on TV and announce where he wanted to go. It just was terrible. And to tie back, like, it ended up being terrible. To tie back to what we were talking about earlier, Cleveland burned his jerseys in mass, like, in the middle of downtown. They made a pile of the jerseys and burned them. What was he, What? that's what I think, like, the, the I know, because I know his team has always been, has, has remained the same kind of people. And so that in itself, I think, probably highlighted that um, he probably had a lot of, despite people that he had tr trusted him, they had still turned into yes men because, you, you know, the the point of PR and the point of communications and a lot of different things is to not just think about what you're going to say, think about how that's going to be interpreted afterwards. And so with this idea of the decision, th they, <laughs> I think that whole group were just thinking and people will go, wow, well, fair play, he's <laughs> made his decision. And of course not. Like, of course, Cleveland are going to burn his shirts because you just rubbed it in their face for an and hour. allowed them to, for an hour, teased it right to the end and allowed them to dream and think that they, he's going to sign for them again. Because actually, the the PR call, if you're going to do the decision, you do the decision and you stay. Because then people go, oh, look, he just loves his club too much. But then you're kind of, then you're probably uh, what's the word? You're kind of you're locked into sort of playing them maybe playing for them maybe for the rest of your career which is i guess another thing but the, the whole pr of that whole thing was just a disaster which he you know i'm sure he down the line accepts i i can't remember if, if or not he's talked about how that was that was a bad decision pardon the pun to do the decision <laughs> Yeah. And then he, the and then I think he felt so bad that he ends up going back and he just kind of Herculean drags his team to a title and then leaves again. But when he left again, maybe that's the crux of this whole situation is it's how you leave. It's not totally. that you leave. And so the it, first time he leaves Cleveland, it's this massive debacle where he, he basically teases the entire city and then doesn't go there. And so they burn everything. And then and the that's, sec, that's why I think know, probably weirdly, if Kane goes. Right. I think I do think the bulk of Spurs fans will be fine with it. A bit like, um, a bit like Ronaldo, because Ronaldo, it was he wanted to go, and Fergie went, "Give me another year, and you can definitely go." And he did it, and he did it, and everyone's like, they still love Ronaldo. So you're right, it is how you do it. Uh, what an investigation by this podcast. We'll take one more break. <laughs> be right back. So we're back, and this is – we aren't actually back immediately. Normally when we go to break, we just kind of go, and then we come we come back immediately. I, I would let the record show here that 20 minutes has passed, and we just sat there uh, and talked about uh, – what? What do we <laughs> – I think, you know, the links between American sport and English sport, British sport. We've built a whole bridge, I think, at this yeah. point. And one of the biggest observations we made is that in the United States, a lot of sports, and particularly what I would call football and baseball, once you finish playing, once you're not good enough to play at the next level, uh, the next, you know, the highest level, if you can't play in college, you can't play pro, then you just never play again. How I, the last time I played American football, I was 17 because at that point, I was then 
not good enough to play at the next level. Last time I played baseball, I was 12 because at that point I, I wasn't good enough to play. I haven't played a baseball game wow. since I was 12 years old because I was not good enough to play at the next level. I've thrown a ball around, but I've not, you know, nine innings and an umpire and the whole deal. I've not done that since I was 12 years old. And how James over here is a, a Sunday League legend <laughs> able to play yeah. just nonstop and win, you know, win trophies and like into your 30s, which I still don't believe you're over the age of 30. It doesn't make any sense <laughs> to me. Uh, it's fascinating whole dynamic. Then a difference in sporting culture between the two sports. Totally. Countries or something. Uh, this has nothing to do, of course, or very little to do with your success on YouTube, which I do want to talk about before yeah. we, we dodge out, which I remember when we first met, obviously we have different paths. I do a ton of football manager stuff, right? You're because of your presenter status, you do a lot of just footballing in general sort of uh, discussion. Yeah. Uh, and recently the channel has absolutely exploded. Uh, so I guess the question is how? Uh, yeah, great, um, fantastic question. Um, I, uh, no, because it is no, it is one of those things where you go, because I've you know I've worked in sports media for a long time and or production for a long time, and you do kind of establish values that you think think are successful, but at the same time, I my weirdly my YouTube career has been kind of it, that's that sort of um, success in terms of numbers. Like there's been a lot of kind of goodwill. But there's like the sex success in terms of numbers just never has never really happened. And and actually, when we first met, I think I'd done uh, my channel was really really struggling. Like I, I'd kind of I felt like I'd run out of ideas. Like a series that I thought were doing well weren't doing any well anymore, and I was frustrated by them. Like I had a podcast called The Process, and it had it had like amazing interviews on there. Like I, I st this is going to sound really arrogant. And if people have liked me to this point, you're not going to like me in a second, but <laughs> I, my channel is, my channel is really good. Like the content that's been on there from the start, not just now, but from the start, it's always been really good. Like I, I back that, I back the stuff that I've made, but to answer your question, I think, I think for a long time, I was maybe um, splintering the kind of brand of it. I think I was, um, not being confident in myself and my own opinions on things. I think I was kind of being shy in terms of it always being a presenter thing where you're talking to another person and getting the best out of them instead of me just talking to camera and having that connection with people and, and backing, backing the fact that my opinion is often very grey and I mean that in a what I now know to be a, a good thing. Whereas previously I thought, oh, you need to pick a side and it has to be black and white and that has to be your opinion um and so my channel was was really struggling and we did the we started doing the fm stuff when lockdown happened and got a great response from that uh, but everyone's saying you need to do this on twitch and so i kind of went and did that on twitch and it did really you know it did well um and i just stopped with youtube i just let it be for a minute and just kind of collected my thoughts again with it because i i was like I think often you can feel like you've just got to kind of service a channel or, or keep it going and keep being consistent because a lot of people say that you've got to, you know that's the big thing is consistency. Um, but I left. I didn't do anything on the channel for about three. I would say about three months. Really, it was close to that. Um, and then I moved house and and I knew when I was moving. I knew I was going to have this office and I was going to be able to just 
kind of start again. Um, and I, I knew I wanted to be able to just have like more casual conversations with my audience and it, it to look good. And and I've been able to do that, to be honest. And and since then, it's it's got a lot better. I think I have been thinking about this a lot. So it's kind of it's a good time for us to chat about it because we're both uh, we're both side by side at the moment. I You know, like I said, I was on 42,000 um, probably in about, I would say, early August. And so it's pretty much doubled um and i think the reason it's doubled is i've i've backed myself um but importantly i'm trying to make content that is is valuable to people and that value can come in a couple of ways it can be one it can be it it can be um you know super funny or make you feel something or it can give you value in terms of um information now your your channel z is is a is an an amazing example of that and that is i would say that when i look at your channel that that is the big reason for your success and actually but maybe our channels are kind of similar in the fact that we're trying to we're, we're, we're nice dudes and we we want oh, to turn you. on the camera <laughs> we want to turn on the camera and talk to people with a smile on our, our face and with a bit of humor, but we also want to give you some information at the same time. And certainly the, the big spike in, in my content has been um, the ability to do that. So I'm still, you know, I'm the same, I'm as good a presenter as I was at, before all of this, but I think what I'm offering now a little bit more is value in terms of how good it looks and and what you're and what you're getting from it and i think those two things are the big things that if people were asking me you know what what do you do like i think that value is a, a really important word like how are you offering value like i bet you i bet you get so many messages from people going i've just started a podcast or i've just started a channel yeah yeah yeah, yeah. what do i do right I, I get a lot a lot of those and i totally understand that i was kind of doing the same thing but like you know, so if anyone's listening to this and, and wants wants those, I don't know, you know, that advice, and I'm always slightly wary of doing that because there's a million different ways to be successful. But I do think, I do think, concentrating on value f- towards your audience is huge. Like that's why people are watching a lot of these videos because, like I say, I think I've invested in myself and what I'm good at, and I'm, I'm good at talking about football. I am really good at it, and but then I've added in, you know, stuff that. makes it look good and stuff that makes it informative and i think those three together mean mean that that you're valuable to people you know and uh, i think that's why it's it's done well recently making information entertaining sure yeah massively i think that that, that's a huge part of it for me the thing i was always trying to find this balance between i like kind of i like an element of comedy and i like you know and but I think you know, I think the thing that really held me back is I really didn't back myself at all, and I didn't back my own opinions. And when I came back, and I do videos sometimes where I go, oh, "Guys, I've just literally just seen this thing, and I I, I, just, I don't know what the answer is to it, but I'm going to tell you what I think about it." People love that, like that's okay. And I think maybe it might be a case of maybe the world's caught up a little bit, whereas before you needed to scream at a camera to get views if it was football content, whereas now I think it's got to a point where people are sick of that. They're looking and, for the nice yeah. guy. Yeah, and they, um, and they've found yeah, one. maybe, maybe they're maybe they're maybe they're finally doing that. I mean, I I think for a long time, like I say to you, like I don't think too much has changed. You know, I'm not a different person. 
Like I, I was, I, I know, I remember when I moved into YouTube, um, I basically was trying to get a job through TV and it just wasn't happening because the world had changed. The world had gone from the usual route was you got into a, a production company, you worked your way up. And then there was a moment where someone said, oh, guys, we're going to do some screen tests. If anyone wants to be a presenter, do this screen test. You smash the screen test, you get, you get the job. That's what it used to be like. So I started to try and do that. But then Twitter came along and Instagram came along and all of a sudden it mattered what your numbers were. You had to have this certain amount of followers. So I then moved into online and it was kind of it was a similar thing. Um, But when I moved into online, I remember saying to myself, oh, God, I'm actually going to be presenting every single day now was when I moved to Ball Street. And I was like, oh, God, people can comment. People can like say if they like you or not. And of course, I'm sure you've had this as well. A lot of people, you know, have the energy to say stuff where they don't like you, which is not on me. It's, you know, that's their problem. But um, but all I knew was that I was like, what can I control? And I can control my enthusiasm and my preparedness, you know. And so I remember thinking um, every time I'm going to turn a camera on, I'm going to attempt at the very least to be in the best mood I can be to be enthusiastic and understand that this is an incredibly fortunate thing for me to be doing right now and I still feel the exact same way and so that brand that I've created and the brand that you've created where again you have that energy you've got that enthusiasm but you've also clearly done the work as well I tell you what mate I'm so relieved that it's working (laughs) because yeah I would have been so I was getting to a point where I was like what's what is like what have i got to do like of <laughs> what have i got to do to kind of get that that just that just that touch of validation um and and i'm so delighted that it's kind of coming now because i haven't had to change i've just had to kind of i guess almost double down on it and and just give it make it a little bit clearer maybe what i'm doing i don't know um but yeah sorry another waffle another rant there but yeah i think that that's the big thing for me is like you've got to be it's nice that it's nice that nice guys are doing a bit better these days. I do appreciate that. I, I wonder what it's going to be like when lockdown ends. I wonder if people will get um, their attention will get grabbed by the madness again. I don't know, but maybe I'm just being uh, maybe I'm just nervous. That is going to be one of the interesting things because I blew up right at the beginning of lockdown in terms of a Twitch mm. explosion and I guess yeah. a YouTube explosion too. And so it's uh, I've never been a creator in a world where I wasn't wearing a mask every time I went outside. So it's <laughs> yeah. be interesting to see how that affects like people watching videos or interacting with streams or anything, or maybe listening to a podcast like this one. Maybe. That's it. Uh, that, that's yeah, the secret people won't sauce. have as much time. Yeah. Don't they? I think that's the thing. That's why I'm no, intrigued to see is because, you know, people are going to have to like leave their, their houses again. And so that, that could hurt us. That's but, scary. Uh, I don't, I don't, but yeah, all really we can scary. do is our best, isn't it? I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will talk again. That, that, by the way, is the secret sauce. If you ask me that question or if you ask James that question on Twitter, you will be referred to this portion of this podcast. Sounds what good. do you need to do to succeed? There we go. That's, that's it. Nobody ever needs to have another discussion about what you need to do to succeed on the Make internet. something valuable. There you go. In a sentence. Boom. That's a much shorter business card than the last one. All right, man. I'll <laughs> yeah. see you.